following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Life in Christ. If Jesus is the Messiah, why is the world still full of so much rottenness, even great evil, such as we saw perpetrated this past week in that terrible mass shooting in Buffalo? Jesus provides an answer in the parable that we just heard, the parable of the sower and the seed. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. A sower went out to sow some seed, began Jesus. In ancient Palestine, a farmer would sow seed by walking through the field with a bag of seed slung over the shoulder, and the farmer would toss the seed by hand, broadcasting it over the field. The parable of the sower and the seed is unusual among Jesus' parables in that Jesus offers an explanation along with it, as we heard a moment ago. The explanation is important in this case because otherwise the imagery of the sower and seed might be unclear. The sower sows the word, Jesus explains. The seed is the word of God. The different types of soil represent different ways that people respond. The imagery is drawn from the ancient Near East, but it is imagery with which everyone can relate. Some seed falls on hard, packed soil. It's unable to take root and is eaten by birds. Some seed falls on shallow soil, starts to grow, but then fizzles out. Some starts growing, but then is choked out by weeds. If Jesus had lived in Ohio, and if he had seen places like my yard and gardens, I imagine he might have added yet another image that some seed falls on good soil, starts growing wonderfully, and then the deer and the rabbits and the groundhogs come along, and that's the end of it. But there are places in the world where there are no deer or rabbits or groundhogs, so it's just as well there's no such image in the parable. It is interesting that although Jesus' parables use images appropriate for first century Palestine, the images are such that they resonate immediately with people throughout the world, throughout the ages. Jesus' soil images speak directly to our common human religious experience. Some people are like the soil on the path. They are hard packed, not at all receptive to a spiritual word. If they hear a word about God, they are just not going to let it in. Some are like seed that fell on the rocky shallow soil. They start to respond in spiritual life but then they fade because they never allow God's word to penetrate deeply. Some are like the seed that fell among thorns. They start to grow in faith, but then their faith gets choked out by all sorts of stuff around them. It's interesting what Jesus says here in the interpretation of the parable where he explains that some people hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. If you have a flower or vegetable garden, sometimes the weeds that you encounter are nasty things, like poison ivy. Some of the weeds in the world 
are nasty as well, such as the racism that took hold of that young man in Buffalo and resulted in that horrendous shooting. But often the weeds that get going in, in gardens or in yards are perfectly benign sorts of plants. They might even put out a pretty flower like a dandelion. The problem is that they are in the wrong place and are crowding out what you want to grow. Similarly, in life, many things that would choke out spiritual life are not so much great evils in themselves, but rather are things that are perfectly benign. There are career goals and recreational activities and home projects and financial goals, all of which are perfectly good and necessary. The problem arises when people allow these things to crowd out and overwhelm their spiritual life. Perhaps the most common way that this happens is that people who are inclined to believe will allow worldly activities and goals to just take all their time and energy so that they simply have no space left for spiritual growth in life. Another dynamic which is occurring in the world today is that people will continue in some religious activity but they allow worldly goals and ideas to overwhelm and crowd out their Christian values. A prime example of this can be seen right now in Russia. Some people who worship in the Russian Orthodox Church are allowing Russian nationalist ideas to overwhelm the values of Jesus so that all that is left in the garden of their religion is a bunch of imperialist and oppressive ideas. In various ways, people can let their faith be choked out and overwhelmed and replaced by values and goals that are prevalent in the society around them. But some people are good soil. They are the people who receive God's word and let it grow fully, yielding finally a great harvest. And Jesus often used that image of the abundant harvest as a prime image for making a major positive impact on the world. The parable then moves us to consider what kind of soil are we? It's very important to note at this juncture that the different types of soil do not actually represent different types of people as though some people are, are just hard ground or so forth. Rather, the different types of soil represent different spiritual conditions different ways of responding to the gospel. Each of us might be all four types of soil at different points in our lives. And as every gardener knows, you can change the condition of soil. You can change hard ground by tilling the soil. You can change rocky ground by digging out the rocks. You can change thorny ground by clearing out the weeds. A key role of the church is thus to engage in the work of rightly preparing spiritual soil. We saw a prime example of that just a few moments ago as our children shared that musical. Children who are involved in our Sunday school are learning the stories of the Bible, learning the books of the Bible. They hear about the love of God. They learn about the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. They learn to sing songs of faith. 
Our Christian education program is designed overall to prepare the spiritual soil in children's lives so that they can be receptive to God's saving grace, to the empowerment of God's spirit. Of course, even as we are preparing soil and sowing seeds, we never can be sure what exactly is going to happen in any part of God's garden in the future. Some people will go through phases in their lives where they may have a time of being hard-packed soil, or they'll have a time of being like the shallow soil, or they'll let themselves at some point just get overwhelmed by the weeds. But just like any farmer in the field, we never give up as a church. We keep working in the field and we keep trusting in God so that the seeds of God's word and truth might finally grow to maturity. This brings us to another major aspect of the imagery of the parable. On the one hand, the parable moves us to think of ourselves as the soil and to consider how receptive we are to God's word. At the same time, as we follow Christ in faith, we can also then begin to think of ourselves as the sower. Notably in the parable, the sower is never identified. We might naturally think of the sower as Jesus. Indeed, he was certainly in the role of the sower as he taught in Galilee. But the implication is that we who follow Jesus are also now to be in the ministry of sowing seed. From the vantage point of the sower, the parable presents an extraordinary picture. Some seed falls on hard ground and the birds eat it. Some seed lands on rocky ground and it doesn't amount to anything. Some seed might get going, but then it gets choked out by thorny weeds. The sower might naturally think, forget this, this job has nothing but frustration and failure. But what does the sower do? The sower keeps on sowing. And some seed falls on good soil and produces an abundant harvest. This provides an enormous word of encouragement for us. It encourages us to keep living and sharing our faith and to not worry about immediate results. As a sower casts seed, there is no immediate result at all. The earliest visible result is that some seed gets eaten by the birds. But the sower trusts in the life-giving power of God and in the harvest to come. When Jesus first told this parable, it was early in his public ministry. He had just announced that the kingdom of God was at hand, and people were beginning to sense that in Jesus, the Messiah had come. But people inevitably wondered, if the kingdom of God is breaking into the world through Jesus, why is the world still such a mess? Why are people ignoring God? Why is there evil? Jesus in the parable is saying, this is how I am going to work. I am casting seed. In some people, it's not going to take hold right now. It's not going to fully grow because they will not receive it. So the world is going to be an imperfect place. But in many people, the seed will grow and there will ultimately be an abundant harvest. Jesus' prognosis was completely on target for the parable in a sense represents an accurate picture of the entire scope of the history of Christianity. 
As the seed of the gospel has been sown, it has fallen sometimes upon hard ground, sometimes upon shallow soil, sometimes upon thorny ground, but it has often fallen upon good soil. And in the end, there has been an abundant harvest. There's been extraordinary growth over the centuries in belief and in the good that has been done in the name of Christ in the world. So if you wonder today, why does the world look the way that it does? The answer in the parable is because the world is a field in which the seed of God's word is being sown and God has the patience to let that seed grow and bear fruit. That means that the world will be a mix of good and bad, which Jesus also pointed out in another parable that I'll be addressing in a few weeks. Our calling is to be receptive to God's word in our own hearts, to keep tilling the, spirit, the soil of our spirits so that we can truly grow as God's people. And our calling is to join with Christ in sowing the word by sharing in the ministry of the church. We need not be surprised that the world is full of hard ground and thorns and rocks because people always have the freedom to choose how they will respond to God. But we know that through it all, the Lord is at work to bring about a great harvest in the end. And so we can keep on in faith and in commitment as fellow workers in God's field. Let us pray. O oh Lord, give us receptive hearts that we might be good soil, open to receiving your word for our lives, open to the touch of your grace to cleanse us with your forgiveness, to lift us up into fellowship with you, open to the empowerment of your spirit to enable us to walk in your paths, to guide us in right ways. Open, Lord, to your promises that we can live in the assurance that we have a place in your everlasting kingdom. Lord, move us as today we would respond in faith that we might truly grow as your people and that we might then share with you in the ministry of sowing seed today. We thank you that you draw us into the life of your church so that with one another we can join and be at work in ways far greater than what we could ever do on our own. We do reach out to persons in our church fellowship who are in times of particular need, and we pray for those who are sick, lifting up particularly uh, this morning of those uh, dealing with surgeries in our congregation, Dave Ginn, Lee Hall, Bill Head, and Mark Ryland, praying for your healing power, O oh God. We remember those who are mourning. We would uh, lift up the family and friends of Nancy Wirtz today as we are sharing in her memorial service at noon. And we do lift up the, the, the families of all the, the victims in that terrible shooting in, in Buffalo. Lord, we pray for the comfort of your spirit. We pray for that assurance that no matter what happens in this life, that you have opened the way through death into life everlasting. Lord, we reach out into the broader world in which there are often such great trials, and we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine in the midst of that terrible, unjust invasion of their land. We pray, Lord, for the encouragement and strength of your spirit, and pray that you would be at work, O oh God, to guide people to be able to live in the ways that you intend for us. 
We thank you, Lord, that we can join together to witness to your truth and, and life today. We do lift up our fellow United Methodists this morning at the Union Time, United Methodist Church, and pray that your spirit would be with us as we join together in the works of your kingdom. We give particular thanks today for our children, for the witness that they have made to us this morning, and for the ways that they are growing in faith in their own lives. Lead us all, Lord, as we would respond to you and, and trust as we lift our hearts to you and give to you the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.